before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that this information discussed today is not intended to be or construed as investment advice. Please consult a professional advisor before putting a loony in any of these financial markets. The dirty secret is that no one's ever going to get paid back. People have the shortest memories when it comes to investment. We just got to get Keith into Bitcoin. Hey, there's a bubble. Welcome back to Looney Hour, episode 102. As always, joined by the three amigos. We got uh, Keith Dicker, Ice Cap Asset Management. Patagucci Vass is on. It must be fall season. And uh, Rich Diaz, the Tom Brady macro, wearing a new headset in a new room. New man. Rich, what's going on? Oh, uh, Nothing. My computer is very poor and it doesn't like the Wi-Fi. So I've been relegated to yet another room, but that's not what's going on. What's going on is I have an announcement to make. So we've been pretty cagey because there's some compliance stuff that we needed to work through. And But I've uh, joined a new company, as I'm sure some of you guys have probably already figured out. It's called uh, PGM, I'm, uh, PGM Global. I'm quite proud to, to have joined them. I'm a global strategist here. Um, we have an awesome team doing much of the same work that we did before, but um, for like a broader base of institutional investors. PGM also does uh, best execution trading, um, and they have got an excellent award-winning transition management business. So you'll be hearing more about that uh, as we go through, but I'm really excited to finally let you guys all in on the secret. Um, and uh, yeah, otherwise, nothing much changes. Loads to talk about today. Uh, loads of funny data points I think we're going to have a good time talking about. And uh, yeah, that's it, boys. So there you go. Now everybody knows. The chains out. have been unshackled. That's right. I'm no longer the Tom Brady of macro. I'm now um, Mr. PGM. strategist of PGM at Global. So there you go. I didn't know this was happening. Did you, Steve? This is my first, <laughs> first time hearing of it. Yeah, first time. Well, boys, I'm sorry <laughs> I lied to you. Do you notice no, with been, these? Because Rich that, that's a, quiet on But Rich Twitter, is with too. a great firm. That, that's going to be great. But you ever notice, Rich, with these firms, uh, it's, it's always best execution. Nobody ever advertises that it's <laughs> it's okay execution, yeah. right? It's always best. No, but so what, if everyone what is, is the best. But everyone's the best. Then it's it's average, right? Um, that's true. What is interesting is that, um, because we don't have a prop book, um, it, it avoids a lot of the sort of agency principal problems which a lot of these businesses and banks do have which is they front run trades of their clients and they do all kinds of other shenanigans that of course they say they don't but in any way that reminds me of a movie that's coming out soon what is it the movie about gamestop oh yeah gonna, saw that. what's it called i don't mm-hmm. know anyways it's gonna be really yeah. cool anyway there you I go let's go I boys do that stuff okay what we got today what's uh uh, Boomer doesn't have any awesome stories this week. Um, yeah, that's it. That's, that's rare, okay. man. What a disappointment. Man, episode <laughs> 102 off to a tough start. Off to a tough start. Uh, but, you know, I mean, to be to be quite frank, I think it's actually been uh, an incredible week for global macro. Um, you know, Keith, you've talked about it a lot, but if you're not, you know, if you're a portfolio manager, not excited uh, to get up in the morning, I mean, you're in the wrong profession. It's been... Uh, you know, we had Canada CPI come out this week, surprising to the upside. We'll get into that. We had the Fed, which everybody was waiting for, the Bank of England, the Swiss Central Bank, uh, just loads and loads of data points as markets sort of re, 
restart their ignitions uh, as we get into the busier fall market. People are back in full swing, and um, I think we're tiptoeing into something pretty ugly. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into that into the show. Um, as you know, always, something, I'll, I'll, go ahead. Something actually reminds me. Uh, do you guys remember the TV show The A Team back in the '80s? A pity I mean, the fool. I've seen, I've seen the movie, <laughs> the remake. <laughs> Mr. T. Yeah, that's right, Mr. T. But the, but the main guy, he was Hannibal. He was like the leader, right? And he had this uh, you know, catchphrase at, at the end of every episode at some point. And he pulls out a cigar and he always says, I love it when a uh, plan comes together. And uh, Steve, I think that's what's happening right now with markets. A lot, a lot of things that we've been talking about and sort of envisioning that, you know, the, the path that we're going towards will start to come together. And I think it is, everything is converging closer and yeah. closer. So th- this would be a good conversation. Today. You'll own nothing and be happy plan is coming together. <laughs> I think uh, you're right. He's looking forward to eating the bugs. No, bugs. Oh, I do. I do have a, sh- a story actually. So I wake up you this want- morning and uh, get ready and doing stuff, getting ready. And I, I turned to Mrs. Icecap and I said, do you think I should change my t-shirt today? And she looked at me. She said, "Well, you've been wearing the uh, the no central bank digital currency shirt for seven days straight. I think you should change the T-shirt." Nice. So I Man, did. She's that a, was my. She's a lucky lady. <laughs> she's something. She's something. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, starting things off, uh, you know, quick little housing update. Um. Yeah, what are we? Third week of September now. So typically, for anyone that maybe is less familiar with housing. Um, there's always, there's a seasonality to housing. And so usually typically in the summer, you get the seasonal slowdown. Uh, and then usually September, October is a seasonal uptick. And then you'll slow down into sort of late November, basically through until mid February. And then you start your, your spring market, which is typically, um, obviously very high, uh, sales volume tend to get higher prices actually there. So there is a seasonality to pricing as well. Uh, and so coming into, you know, this September mark market, we were, have talked about it quite a bit on the show was it was going to be another good test, right? Because you're gonna get the seasonal uptick in listings. And the question was, are you gonna get the seasonal uptick in demand? And I would say so far, um, I think we're getting the seasonal uptick in listings, but the demand has not been there to meet it, which Really shouldn't be surprising given where mortgage rates are at in the six handle. And uh, I think we're starting to see a lot of the cracks forming again. And I think we're going to be, it's going to be a good test Uh, on that on the one, maybe more positive side. um, We've talked a lot about the supply side of it. I think the governments are finally starting to come around and making some pretty bold changes. So we had the federal government, uh, as, as horrible as they've been on the housing file, they did remove the GST on purpose-built rental uh, buildings. We talked about it briefly last week with Ben Rabideau. Uh, but essentially, it's a 5% savings right off the bat to any developer that's going to push through rental housing. And this is really to help them offset, I think, which is rising costs of construction financing, the still elevated cost of building, and uh, most of these projects are obviously being put on the shelf due to what's happening in the economic environment. So the Bank of Canada, ironically, through the rate hikes, is killing demand, but they're also killing the capex side of things, which is 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 future housing supply. So the government is trying to sort of counterbalance that by removing the GST. 
Um, so I do think it's good policy. The conservatives have, had also proposed it in their platform. So the liberals almost kind of took that from them. And hey, then you've Steve, got, I, have a, yeah. I have a question for you. Um, have you been chatting with any developers about this? Are they excited about it or is it? No, yeah, you know, they are yeah, super yeah. excited about it. I mean, I think like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still think like this, there's no, like the full removal of the GST is is not going to prevent housing starts from getting crunched over the next 12 to 18 months like it's going to save a whole it's going to save a bunch of projects um you know there's obviously quite a few developers right now that had we're going to or we're planning to launch you know um pre-sale condos to sell and or like trying to pivot to rental because the market's not quite there and so getting that extra five percent is probably going to keep some of these projects from being permanently shelved um so it is a so big we'll, change it will help to um at least continues some of the supply that is supposed to come on stream as opposed yeah, to it's going to help stopping. offset i think some of the carnage i still think permits are a leading indicator they're getting just mullered as you would say and um so that that's a positive no but i think like we're at least we're setting up the framework for like once you kind of get out of this 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 cycle this downturn i think that we are putting the right pieces in place the city of vancouver passed um the basically they basically almost essentially they basically removed single family zoning in the city of vancouver and they allowed like multiplexes now so on a standard lot you could build up to four units um so that's that's huge isn't it yeah, it's, I think it's pretty big. It's going to get uptake. I know it. I know it is in, in parts of the city. Um, you know, it's not necessarily going to be immediate because, like I said, at the end of the day, it's you know, interest rates trump a lot of things and a lot of policies. Um, city of Calgary, um, they also passed the the banning. They banned basically single family zoning in the inner city communities. So you can basically they took what was single family zoning and they changed it to what they call as RCG, which basically allows you to build like infill um, row homes, essentially, or townhouses, whatever you want to call it on single family lots. So you can see these large municipalities. Um, So I think we're making some some good progress. But like I said, at the end of the day, I think the housing market is, is really sucking wind right now. And I think that you can tweak policy as much as you want, but I think there's the laws of economic gravity. I think are going to, are going to pull housing starts down. Well, thank God we're going to get a soft landing. We don't have to worry about, <laughs> Hey, Rich, you remind me, you look like a helicopter uh, pilot, by the way. Oh, you, thank you. Headset. That's the nicest thing anyone said to me over the last I, two days. I do have a story actually. Um, so things are getting pretty nasty in the the pre-sale space in the GTA. So GTA, I think has I think has way more speculation. Maybe I'm naive or isolated here in Vancouver, but clearly the GTA is going through a sharper correction than let's say Greater Vancouver. Uh, but the pre-sale space, there's a ton of speculation there. So you're seeing a lot of people getting caught offside, which is like, hey, I bought this pre-sale two and a half years ago. I never really had the financial means to close on it. Thought I could flip it. Turns out it's an Ill- uh, illiquid instrument, and uh, I can't get approved for financing with an eight percent stress test. So you're seeing a lot of anecdotal stories coming out of the GTA on that side. Uh, but I was chatting with a fairly large Canadian bank this week, and I sort of I asked the question. I was like, "Hey, you know, like in Vancouver, here, are you seeing any of these 
issues start to pop up, you know, okay, very sporadically here and there, but it kind of led to this conversation, which was, you know, well, some of these banks have these auto appraisals or they call them basically blanket appraisals on projects. And so what I mean by that is imagine you bought, let's just say, imagine you bought a townhouse, a townhouse presale or presale condo. And let's say you paid, you know, let's say for the condo, you paid $800,000 two years ago and it's coming up for completion. And now it's only worth 700,000. So normally what happens is you go to get your mortgage at that particular lender. Uh, they're going to give you the appraisal value. So they're going to appraise it and say, well, it's worth 700. So we'll lend you, you know, 80% of 700. So you got to come up with the difference. Now, in some of these projects, they're not a lot of them, but it was this, you know, this, this guy is telling me this, this story is that this large Canadian bank had what they call as a blanket appraisal on the project. So I'm assuming they had basically done this, you know, they usually do it like well in advance. So what that means is they didn't have to re if you were going to get a mortgage to this lender, that lender had did on a blanket appraisal on the entire project. So the value, so they don't basically look at what, what is today's value They said, well, when we appraised it 18 months ago, got it, which I was like, wow, that seems kind of crazy. Cause it's like, well, they work with the developer, right? Surely. If the developer's making 30 units, they'll just say, okay, if anyone comes and buys these 30 units, is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. And, and which, I mean, I was like, well, I mean, I, I kind of get it. I was like, yeah, it seems, seems nuts. Cause if you think about it, like the bank could be issuing, you know, 95% loan to value mortgages on, you know, half the units hypothetically. Yikes. You know? They think the banks making, in like, Canada are, are perfect and amazing and they never make any mistakes and they'll be totally fine. And uh, isn't that right, Keith? Is, is that a recommendation you just made? You think your clients are going to lose this? Disclaimer. Not, disclaimer. It was not, it was not <laughs> a recommendation <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it's been fun, boys. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We will be yeah. auditioning for a new rich next oh. week. This makes me sad. Need a handsome uh, guy who's very lucky all the time. That's right. Laughs yeah. my own jokes. Um, Keith, I thought you might appreciate that bank story, though. I know you're a big Canadian bank uh, proponent. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have these conversations all the time, and the thing what's so great about the Canadian economy and Canadian bank story is we we have this. I call it this false sense of security and invincibility in that because in our lifetime, we've never experienced a banking crisis of of any kind. um, We we feel that it can never happen. And and that's a linear thinking. And we we don't live in a linear world. It it is a cyclical or secular world, depending on what time frame you're looking at. And, you know, we, we just happen to believe that the, the probability of this perfect world continuing for the banks, it, it's a lot less than it has been in, in the past, like in the last 40 years. And, I, and Steve, you, know, you mentioned earlier today, you know, if you're an investment manager, you wake up, you're not excited. And that that's absolutely true. There's, there's so many ways that you can structure your investments these days to provide yourself with protections, you know, in case things do go a a bit off. And um, like there's about four different things now that can just pop up from anywhere, you know, and then the wheels will, will fall off or 
and you know rich's headset will pop off his head <laughs> like that. i do prefer the microphone but my computer's acting up so i'm forced to look like a helicopter pilot but your voice sounds like you it's very rich oh good thank you very good okay what else well uh we had canada's cpi so uh, oh, that yes. was fun <laughs> that um, was fun that was that was good. What was Sorry. I mean? They had well, so. What was the expectation? I think it was like three point eight percent year over year, and I think we got was it four point one? No, four point zero, right on the nose, right on the nose. So full, we're back to fours now. Keep in mind, we had Ben Rabido on the show last week. Uh, I highlighted some of his research at the live event in Vancouver. Which would we do that in July? Uh, yeah. Uh, where Ben's research at the time. Basie said there's a pretty straight line here from 2.8% headline inflation back to four easily by the end of the year. So we got to four and here in September. So it was obviously quicker than anticipated. But I have to wonder who is advising to <laughs> Freeland? Who is advising? Because, you know, remember she did the happy dance. Uh, isn't it a great thing? She was doing all these interviews, 2.8% headline inflation. It was like... And the G7 comparison. Oh, you, Jesus. You, by, by the way, everyone listening, whenever uh, your government pulls out a, a G7 comparison to prove how great things are in your country, you, you want to start squinting your eyes at it and, you know, put some salt on it because it's... It's you know that's the trick, right, Steve? Oh, I mean, anyways, uh, Krista Freeland, uh, Ben Rabido, North Cove Advisors, highly encourage you to go sign up, subscribe. It should be a Looney Hour uh, promo code that she can use. Um, but I think this was this was like totally rich. I mean, you're you're you know you're the the PGM guy here. Oh boy, but, um, I think. You know, simple uh, year-over-year base effects. I feel like this could have easily been foreseen. It was. It was foreseen. Um, I mean, so first, I mean, there's lots of stuff to unpack here. First of all, Ben Rabideau was, was absolutely right. I think he he's lovely, lovely guests, and he's really smart, and he he nailed it. Um, and and but with respect to Ben, it wasn't exactly that hard, right? If you remember, his analysis was simply repeating what we had seen over the last couple of um, months. Um, and so what I mean by that is like, you know, every, so you have like a year on year number, which was 4% up from 3.3. And then you have a monthly change, which would have been, let's say two zero point two or point two basically. Yeah. Point two zero point two or 0.1. And so what he simply did was he just ran through a, a bunch of different scenarios. Not even that many, if I remember correctly, which is, you know, no change over month on month, 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, whatever. And then he just had, you know, a scenario analysis, which I thought was actually very clever and very well done. Um, but again, it, you know, it's not, he's not a rocket scientist. And so for, that's why we made the, the point at the time, which is like, just be careful when with claiming victory after one data point, because Steve, as you know, <laughs> life comes at you fast when you can't do math. And that's why kids, you got to learn math at school. <laughs> if uh, what are they you key? learn many math. Yeah. Um... It doesn't come across very often. I actually am good with numbers, but the uh, so from our perspective, like when when the CPI data came out, I don't know if you guys touched on it then or not. I, I apologize, but 
all of the numbers were greater than estimates. Right. So when it first came out, so for example, like the year-over-year number, like it was four, but the market had priced in 3.8. That's right. And 3.8 versus four, people would say, well, who cares? You just round it. But in the investment world, it's it's a big difference. And because the actual number was greater than was expected, it, it gives the investment world um, a, a new narrative to say, wow, inflation is out of control again. The Bank of Canada is going to have to hike rates. You know, and so immediately the Canadian dollar, you know, it did the opposite of being mullered. It, it went, it went vertical. And uh, but all of these inflation numbers, they, you know, they're all greater than what was expected. Do we want to? Who wants to take the uh, the underhand pitch? Talk about why the numbers were greater. I do. You do. My Go job. ahead. Wait, let's wind up. You ready? You got your bat ready? Okay. This is the low. This is the easy. This is the right down the middle. Okay. So everybody knows. Um, so we know 4% is the top headline number. So I'm not going to do the whole thing, but let's just talk about the contributions, which you would have heard on your nightly news. Number one was um, everybody talked about the, what was it? The mortgage interest payments, which I think got a huge you know negative backlash and relates to the comments and the letters that people sent to the Bank of Canada, which makes us look like a banana republic. Um, but the things that stood out, um, according to them, because they always put a list. Remember, all this stuff is online. It's for free. You just need to Google like CPI print, CPI release. It's actually really well laid out. Um, and so it actually says like the main contributors to the one month change were gasoline prices. I'll let you guys figure out why or why not that's gone up. I mean, that's tongue in cheek, of course. Gas prices across the world are going up. Brent is now 95. I mean, we I think WTI is flirting with 91 and 92. So we've had a major change in the oil and crude oil landscape that wasn't helped by certain policies, which, you know, you can figure that on your own. The other stuff that was interesting. Well, was let's the... not figure it out. Let's just tell everyone <laughs> what it was. All right. It was the carbon tax. I just think it's like, it's, we're beating a dead horse. You know, I feel sometimes it's a, uh, some well, of these we have just... new listeners, but, but again, you know, no, oil true. prices Sorry, are going the new higher listeners. again. That is happening. You know, refined oil, prices, oil that yeah. has a spread, of course, all that, but all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the climate change tax, who is it hurting most at the pump? It's hurting poor people who can't buy, who are not subsidized to buy electric vehicles. I mean, ultimately, that's yeah. that's ultimate people who cannot readily change their cars or um, either swap their cars or lease new cars or don't get massive subsidies for their hybrids or what have you. Like one of my very best friends who makes an absolutely incredible amount of money who got fifteen thousand dollar check from the government to purchase a new car. But um, anyway, so the other thing that was, so Keith is right. I'm sorry for our new listeners. Um, and then mortgage interest payments were a big contributor, 2.7%, which is a huge number. Um, that's related, obviously, to the rising interest rates and to the people who are starting to, you know, um, to, to uh, what's it called? Um, to renew their mortgages. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was rents. So rents are obviously a big contributor to the data. And rents rose to 6.4%. So this is a chart that you shared with us a while ago, um, Steve, that was related, obviously, to population growth. It's also related to the fact that as interest rates get higher and higher, and, people, and normally, let's say you normally go and buy a house, you, your interest rates are low, you can afford the mortgage, what have you. But as interest rates get up higher and higher, you can't necessarily afford that mortgage. So you'll actually... So more a larger pool of people actually get sort of shifted into a different housing market. In this case, the rental market. So it's it's you know there's several okay. factors that are attacking it. Can I just chime in there? Yes, yeah, so yeah, CPI sure. rented accommodations was uh, over six percent. Yeah, uh, six point four. 
yeah, I think we talked about this last week, two weeks ago, um, which was, you know, rents, rents in the U S apartment rents are actually right. like, at like zero, like literally zero growth and, and probably going to turn negative next month. Uh, whereas Canada, you're still seeing record high prints in rents, uh, up officially per rentals.ca is, is showing a uh, 9% growth on wow, year yeah. basis. So Again, uh, for those that are maybe skeptical on the supply side, I would argue that uh, the rental market is typically a pretty good indicator of supply and demand. Yeah. So, um, you know, can rents come down? Yes. Uh, usually with job losses, that will certainly help. But um, obviously, 1.2 million people coming into the country is still uh, pushing rents higher. So that's a, another policy error. Steve, you, you've, you've mentioned something really important, and I think that, that and it's going to sort of chimes my last little bit here and then I'll pass it to Keith. But it's it's the idea that there are different ways to measure these different indicators and different, you know, um, line items in your consumer basket. We understand that there are issues in calculating it. I would submit to anyone who complains that it's false or misleading, you go figure it out. Because I think that, you know, for all the misgivings we have about Canadian Canada and ca Canadian policy and whatever, I think StatsCan does as good a job as any statistics house in the world as figuring out what through their lens is the change in prices. Now, obviously, you can corroborate that with different sources. And why that's important is because there are different um, measures for core inflation. There's something called common, there's something called a weighted mean, and there's a trim mean. The common is based on a model, basically. I don't really understand what it, how it works. But the weighted mean is just simply those weighted. And the key one for me is the trimmed mean PC, P, CPI, which is what they, they take out. They exclude the highest movers and the lowest movers to, to, to you know, narrow down a central tendency for what's going on CPI. And what I think basically will bake another interest rate hike into the Bank of Canada for, before the end of the year is the rise in two of the three measures. So Keith, um, I'm interested in hearing your view on what might happen, but that's that's really important. The, the, those core CPI measures, remember, they exclude food, they exclude energy. These are real central tendency measures on inflation. They rose from 3.6 to 3.9, 3.9 to 4.1, and the other one was flat at 4.8%. So it's not over, kids. <laughs> Well, it, it sounds to me like you're actually interviewing interviewing for another new job with Stats Canada right now. Oh that, no, come on! Nice these, build these up. People, these people work hard; they get a lot of stuff right. We shouldn't always shit on them. That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know what you want me to comment on 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 the CPI data. I mean, what what's well, Keith? What I would be curious to hear your opinion on is <clears throat> fairly unusual, but it seemed like Canada, which is a tiny little fraction of the global economy, which I would say most of the world doesn't really care about. Um, it seemed like that CPI print in Canada moved like the global bond market. Creating visual content is an essential part of what I do, but the creative process hasn't always been easy. That is until we discovered Canva. The Looney Hour uses Canva to create images for thumbnails, social media posts, and event signage. Designing custom artwork using Canva is so easy, even the boomer can do it. Canva for Teams is a design platform that makes it easy for anyone to create stunning content in any format, from social media posts, videos, presentations, and websites. Ever since I found Canva for Teams, it has been easy to collaborate and design with a team, which makes the whole process so much more creative and fun. We've used Canva to collab with our marketing team to design images using pre-formatted templates, easily dragging and dropping our logo to create professional-looking media in a matter of minutes and at a fraction of the cost. 
Canva for Teams is an awesome way to quickly and easily create branding and media assets for your business. Design and collaborate with Canva for Teams right now. You can get a free 45-day extended trial when you go to canva.me slash loonyhour. That's canva.me slash loonyhour for a free 45-day extended trial. Canva.me slash Lunia. Because it was sort of first up and now all that's been repriced again, like all, all the gains on the Canadian dollar has been given up and we're, we're back to where it was pre-announcement. But I, I think all this sort of ties, you know, we had that number come out, of course, and then, you know, the market very quickly discounted it as being, um, you know, because of oil prices, gas prices, and, and you know, the climate change tax they have on it. Uh, and then thereafter, we had the Europeans, you know, they came out and then, you know, and, and again, like we haven't talked about it yet. We had the Fed meeting yesterday, which sort of ties everything yeah, nicely that. together. We will, because it's hard to talk about, you know, you know, we're Canadian centric, Canadian focused, but, you know, as, as we talk about frequently that as Canadians, we have to be aware that, you know, that the, the world doesn't go around us. You know, we're sort of moving around the world where we're impacted by everything that happens elsewhere, as opposed to Canada moving the world around. Uh, but but again, like this morning and yesterday was an unbelievable day in, in the world because you, know, you had the Fed. This morning you had the uh, the Brits and then the Swissy as, as well. But the underlying concern right now, because the market has suddenly shifted, and we've been waiting for this for a while. The financial markets were waiting for central banks to say, okay, we're not going to raise rates anymore. And we've been, it's finally arrived. And we've been waiting a year for this to happen. I don't say we as in me, we as in, you know, generic market. And, you know, we also talked about as soon as that happens, then the view is going to turn to, whoa, are we going to get a recession or a soft landing? And that's happened very quickly over the last 48 hours. And then that's what ties into the whole inflation story. Because you know, inflation is going to be impacted by supply shocks or demand shocks. So in Canada specifically, we had both happening at the same time. So the supply shocks got hit you know, with the uh, global policies towards the, uh, the, the COVID pandemic, you know, paid everyone to stay home. No one lost money. Governments took on debt. And supply chains got severely disrupted, and they're still not back on side yet. And of course, in Canada, the the demand got you know boosted higher, you know, with, with the population growth, and so you have that happening right now. So these inflation prints coming in, we we still tend to look at it as you know the Bank of Canada. They're, they're very clear now. They're saying, hey, we're going to watch this. Uh, we're on pause. We don't want to increase more. We're waiting to see what the rate cycle is going to do. But the risk we have here in Canada and still, and people say, well, it hasn't happened yet. Just like that voice, Rich? It hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. You got to do that sometimes, you know, to do make a point. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I have a friend. There's a friend who does that all the time. It's very effective. You know, you is can, it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the point is that what we've been waiting for for our portfolios, you know, we, we we've been watching these cycles come through. So we it was our expectation that oil and and agricultural commodities and that gas would sort of be floating along during all summer and then start rising in Q three and four, and and that's really happened with with food food agriculture as, as well as oil, of course, and 
it hasn't happened with nat gas yet but we're we're well positioned for that when it happens but with with equity markets it was our expectation that equities would you know should hit a summer high and then come down here in the fall as the market begins to appreciate that the probability of a recession or even a hard landing is is a lot higher and i think that's what's happening and that's where i know we're painting the story that inflation numbers are going to go higher but the great offset to higher inflation data is the economy just getting stopped in its tracks and that's the risk we have coming up here and that's what we're excited about steve what do you not excited a, about? i thought you were in the soft landing camp <laughs> i've never been in the soft landing camp riches rich likes nice soft oh things. no no everybody to, has well to, uh, to quote mary no let me quote mary antoinette there's nothing new under the sun only what's been forgotten and a friend of mine sent me i saw this on twitter i think it was on twitter or something but if you, you just know marie go, antoinette <laughs> i do know marie antoinette she's great um well what i said to you guys i say i can't remember i saw that so forgive me for not giving it the appropriate credit but Someone, um, I think, anyways, I think his name's Michael on Twitter. Brilliant follow. And someone basically just Googled like soft landing, and then you can narrow your sh- search scope on Google, obviously. And if you just do like November or whatever, two thousand six to two thousand eight, naturally, it was a lot of the soft landing talk. Now the cycles are wildly different, specifically because the UK- U.S. does not have a housing bubble and it's delevered massively. However, the talk of soft landing comes up again. I think it comes up every time. There's always a re- some the kind so, of slow so down. So, by the but... way, yesterday with with the Fed, we had the quote of the year. Uh oh, David. Well, maybe David, it's not there yet. Are we not? I know. There yet? I won't. I won't let it out of the bag. Maybe it's the second quote of the year behind your your friend Marie Antoinette. Was <laughs> she an Austrian diplomat? What, what was she? No, no, she was a uh, King Henry the Sixteenth's wife. She got her head lopped off at the in the French Revolution. I just like hearing you tell us these stories. Oh. <laughs> I thought Freeland had the quote of the year so far. What was that? Which one? What did she the say? Inflation one. Oh. 2.8. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> Never count your chickens. Yeah, we should totally clip that one in. Interest rates are at historical lows, Greg. <laughs> All right, that's yeah, that, that was a good one. That was another good one, too. But we will come back to that quote. And it it is the money quote. It, it is the so this is Thursday. We record on Thursdays. Um uh, and on Thursday, you know, Mark, the markets, equities are getting muttered again here this morning, continuation from yesterday afternoon, which was driven by the quote, which we go, you know, we're, you know, we're going there, Steve, you know, we're going to go Just there. Just do it. It's, All right, let's happening. get there. I mean, I was going to chat. I wanted to circle back on the, uh, on what's happening in the bond market, because I think that's really like the, the big story here. Um, it's all tied together as yeah, well. Let's, let's jump over to the Fed. Steve yeah. Said. So the Fed, so this is, this is why you just can't read headline news and or read this the minutes that come out you know with the press release um so you know the fed did that you know they had what's called steve what do they call it the dot plots N- no no, no. hawkish pause yeah oh, no pause. steve the pa- <laughs> I mean, steve had the quote two weeks ago i think no no canada's steve? was a panic pause the, the feds was a hawkish pause so where should steve's quote be ranked then in the top three he's number one in our hearts he's number one in, in our hearts Okay. Uh, so, but what really happened with, with markets yesterday during the presser, you know, they the, the do that, the Q&A. And I always talk about how the Europeans always have their best one. Years ago when Draghi was there, it was... He was amazing. 
you had no idea what's going to happen like that that was another uh by the way if, if you have a chance on on the uh the google youtube to just research and find the uh the video when you had the uh i think there were fema protesters came in the the ladies that would take off their shirts and to, to protest a, a point that's your favorite movie isn't it no, it's, it's PETA, i think wasn't it PETA, oh whatever but they they actually <laughs> stormed the ecb presser once i don't know if you remember that i do they threw he threw cash then they throw like fake money at, at, at draggy or is that but they jumped one? up on the table and, and they did this in front of them that's why you get that famous draggy picture you know he's like ah you know like he's like, ah, you know something's happening but uh, so we had nothing nearly as dramatic as that yesterday, uh, you know, for the average folks. But for Looney Hour folks, of course, we had a really special moment. And and what happened, uh, Powell, he, this is what he specifically said. When it happened, I said, wow, I can't believe he said that. And I was texting with, with one, one of my friends about it. But Powell Brent. said it, uh, it was Brent, yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a big fight then on text. He didn't say that. I'm going to say he did say that. And then he... We went to the Bloomberg screen and, you know, they have the red highlights. And he said, he did say that, right? Because Marcus <laughs> just went nuts. This is the but milkshake man, Brent Johnson, by the way, for those. Yeah. So what, what he said, what Powell said was, I wouldn't call soft landing a baseline scenario. So when you hear that for the first time, because you guys don't listen to this this stuff, of course, what does that imply to you? Me? Well, any it's only two of you there. He's not, buying, he's not buying the news headlines. No, what it means is that the the baseline. I mean, baseline is like your your most expected or let's say worst case scenario, right? So what he means is that's not, not worse. You're you're the one with the highest probability. Yeah, that's your baseline. That's right. High, that's right. Your baseline is your highest probability. So that means he thinks that a hard landing is probably his most likely exactly. probability. <laughs> and that caused markets, you know, to, to go in a bit of a shit show there for, for a, a little bit. And, you know, again, it's like everyone in the world, like we're all having this conversations like in, in real time. Did he just say that? He didn't say that. No way. You're He's trying to figure it out. On. Yeah. And all of a sudden, about 20 minutes, like Marcus are trying to figure out if he actually said it, which he did. And about 20 minutes later, uh, it was, it was, I think it was the Wall Street Journal uh, reporter. He, I'm really glad he, did. he actually went back. He said, you know, a few minutes ago, you, I want you to clarify, you said a soft landing is not the uh, base case scenario. You know, he said, did you really say that? And then Powell started backpedaling. Well, no, I didn't quite say that. You know, he started to do that. But now, you know, the, you know, the genie is out of the bottle and all that stuff. But it's now set up this point where, you know, fast forward today, you know, you had the Brits, you know, you you guys can talk about the Brits and and the Swiss, what what they did or or didn't do. But again, it's all connected. But this this was a whopper. But what happened, uh, Steve, with the bond market? With all this going on, yeah, the bond market got mullered. It did. It's Where getting mullered morning? today too. Yeah, it's it's getting mullered. Like two this days getting in out a row. Of, this is getting out of hand. It's like a weekend in the middle of the week. But that's what. But Keith, that's like what I can you. So that can you maybe shed some light on that? So if, if the if the base case if a soft landing is not the base case scenario, um, generally when people are worried about growth, they buy bonds and yields go down as the price goes up. Now we're seeing sort of the opposite sort of happen, which is yields are going up and bond prices are going down. So people are selling those bonds in a scenario where you've outlined that people might be worried about growth. So can you explain why that might have happened or how how that's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Because equities are coming off because all of a sudden 
you know, I get, you know, you know how like you guys are, you know, you're a yield guy. You know, we joke about that all the time. I'm not, I'm not a yield guy. I'm not a value earnings valuation guy either. But um, I imagine right now in the equity world, everyone's saying, oh, wow, if we go into recession, we got to cut earnings. That's going to affect earnings multiples and all that stuff. And, you know, equities are settling off. If you're in the bond world, you're saying, oh, boy, okay, that's going to be uh, there's less money available to pay, you know, coupons and debt rollover, stuff like that. Plus, the economic data in the U.S., it's still strong. Yeah, it's still you strong. Know, it's, it's not weak. And the Fed, you know, because yesterday they had the the hawkish pause is what, you know, some, some people are calling it. So the Fed is saying, yeah, you know, we might get a recession here coming. That's that's now what we expect is going to happen. So you equity folks, you're screwed. Uh, and bond guys, you're screwed as well because we're <laughs> going to keep hiking. Because the only way to get inflation under control is to just crush demand. You know, that's that's what they want to do. So maybe they're getting to it. I think I think if you're losing the S&P now, Rich, Yep. Are we getting closer back to the June levels? Oh, we are. We're. I'm looking for my my 200 week moving average. That's what I'm looking for. But that's a little while ago from now. That's, yeah, we're not. So we're not there so, yet. I mean, what yeah. a financial crime, Steve! Like you have a whole summer. All the gains you had in the summer are now gone. Yeah, we're back to the June, June, late June, or almost there, anyways. Late June levels. Well, basically, Keith, like the bond market is going to end up doing the legwork for Powell and Tiff Macklem and and all these all these guys, right? I mean, you know, you look at I think the U.S. your average thirty year fixed mortgage has now ticked up to about seven point three percent. You know, in Canada, obviously, we've talked about it. You know, your Canada five year bond, which is what everybody looks at to price these mortgages, you know, that's up thirty basis points uh, in the past week. And really, a, one week, thirty bips. Yeah, holy moly. Okay, thirty Sorry. thirty bips this week alone, and that's the highest since I think what is it, June or October of two thousand seven. Um, and so you know, I think if you thought you know six point two percent mortgages uh, were going to be tough in Canada, I mean, let's you know. So, see, is that like eight an eight seventeen eighteen year high now? Correct. Uh, somebody do the math for me. Sixteen year high, two thousand seven. For what? Sorry. I know. I think the ten year just hit that, like the highest yield. Steve was quoting the yeah, five yeah. Year. The Canada Canada five year bond is also like the highest since 07. So, yeah. I mean, you're... And that, that's a point that you know we talk about it all the time. And you know, we, we had rates peak. Rates were low in the sixties. They peaked in nineteen eighty two. And then they went down to zero in 0809, and it, and then the yield curve was was suppressed, you know, for over a decade. And now rates are going up again, and people are saying, "Holy smokes, how how does this happen? Our models aren't working and, and stuff." So again, like we have so much debt accumulated over the last fifteen years now, that you know, some someone's going to be on the wrong side of this. <laughs> And if if one person can't pay back their bond, you know the money that they borrowed, um, you know it's it's tough on them, of course. But who is it worse? Who is it worse for? The lender, the, the buyer of the bond, you know, the investor. Yeah, the lender. They... If you lend okay. money, you're buying anyway. Yeah, never mind. The investor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But just to answer your question. Way. Just answer your question. The five-year um, Canadian bond is four point two three. 
so let's say four and a quarter. And the last time it was four and a quarter was, let's call it 2007, the late end of 2007. Yeah. Okay. What was so, the number one pop song on the charts in 2007? <laughs> I have no idea. But there was a lot of, hey, Rich, look there was a up, lot of Look stuff. it up, Rich. Look at This is good stuff, Steve. People Keith, you're, I mean, you're active in the business uh, in 07. I'm sure there was a lot of soft landing calls in the summer of 07. I think uh, in O, what is it, Rich? Uh, irreplaceable by Beyonce? I don't even know that song, but Umbrella, that song I know. Anyway, umbrella, sorry, yeah, Steve. umbrella was uh, umbrella was a banger. Yeah, I don't know. We will. I will never bring this up again. I'll never do that again. Um, <laughs> Steve, what, what I can tell you, oh, uh, yeah, Steve's asking about the environment back in 07. From the beginning of like Jan of 03, that was roughly a year after the the Americans went into Iraq, and uh, which was the market low because 2002 was the worst investment. Worst equity market year I've ever experienced in that, like everything was down 2% a month for a year straight. But from like 03 up to about 07, the end of 07, it was like five years of, you didn't have to do anything. You know, the American economy was zooming and there's no risk anywhere. It's all about, again, these cycles were, uh, you know, we're, we're coming into. So back to, um, you know, the just bond to, market. Sorry, yeah. just to that, to that point. So oil oil prices hit a high of one thirty three in June of 08. Mm-hmm. I know I. Yeah, I, I feel like secularly, like I think there's a pretty strong argument for for oil given the the lack of investment. But you have to wonder. I know I, I you know all these oil bulls on Twitter and inflation and, but you have to think if we're going into what we think might be a hard landing. I mean, I don't know if. You have to be worried about where oil is going now. Yeah, so I was uh, one of the greatest trades that I was involved with. Um, you know, over my eighty years of managing money, was was back during that market. So if you if you look back at the oil chart at that time, like it went, I think it hit like one forty almost, Steve, at one point. And but it was it was the speed, the acceleration, the velocity of that because it it went from like one hundred to one forty very quickly. And uh, so when, when, if you have a gradual movement to any market up or down, you know, you, you just adjust to it. It, it it's fine. But I remember back then, uh, you know, this rapid movement, you know, it, with oil. And um, so we're, you know, in, in our global equity portfolio that we were running, you know, we look at this and we've, you know, very quickly, you know, uh, we say, quick, let's run correlations on, which, which sectors, subsectors, industries, you name it, who has the, the highest negative correlation to oil prices. And you can probably guess what they are. You want to have a guess? Which, which stocks? Do, yeah, airlines. Absolutely. So we said, quick, we go to the airline, the guy that covers the, uh, uh, the consumer, dis- consumer discretionary, Rich, are they in? Yes, they sir. Consumer discretionary. Yeah. Quick, what, why are, like, what's the best airline stock to hold? And he said, he looked at it, he said, man, they're all crap. Like they look horrible on every single metric. And we said, that's easy. We'll just buy them all. So like four of them. <laughs> so we, 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 you know, we stuffed them all in. And, but the point is, as soon as oil, you know, it ran out of energy, do you get it? You know, it's Oh God. God. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, it ran out of energy from going so high and it fell off quickly. 
you know, these airline stocks, you know, they just did a slingshot in into the air, you know, into these space. Airline stocks right now aren't looking too hot though. Yeah. So a point is though, when you as a manager, you want to see these really sharp, violent movements in any market, right? You don't want a long trend because it's not much you can do about it, right? But when you get the that real sharp movement, I'm grinning here now, anyone watching on the YouTube, and uh it just it just gives you that chance to do something so with current oil prices uh you know we we're, we're making we're making money on this we we were right to get in when we did uh we do suspect we're getting a bit of a, a pullback now like this is public knowledge public information finally the sentiment readings right now on crude oil itself was dsi data you want to go find it uh it's sky high right so you should get a bit of a, a pullback here but we haven't had that sharp acceleration with prices. Like so, see, like this could run higher. Oil could absolutely run higher. So if you're not in yet, then you might have an opportunity. If you're already in, then you know you you deal with it. But but the real risk here now with all commodities is it's not really with a declining, slowing economy. It's the supply lines that are coming up. So I know earlier today, and I don't know if you guys noticed it or not, but but Russia announced that they're putting a temporary ban on, on gas and diesel exports. And I, I think Rich, you said, well, it doesn't matter. They're still going to sell it to this place in, in that yeah, point. Yeah, to India. <laughs> yeah. Well, India will be buying it from Canada. We know that. But um, when you, as, as soon as we get conflict in the world, I, I think the world's a lot closer to global conflict than, than not being in conflict. Uh, it, it, the ability to ship stuff around the world, like it, it gets it gets choked, it, it stops. So like we're we're bullish on the oil sector, and you know it could come off a bit from here, but um, you know that's that's what we see happening. So we're not into that two thousand eight period yet, Steve. Yeah, but I'd love to see it because then I'll there's another it. there's another wrinkle yes. to this this number though, and which supports sort of um, Keith's view, but from sort of a macro dare I say it, nerdy way of looking at it, is that we often look at these prices in, in nominal terms, but oil prices in real terms, so adjusted for inflation, are, is, is still actually relatively low. So what do I mean by that? Is like, it, you know, let's say $100 a barrel today is not uh, the same number as $100 a barrel was 15 or 16 years ago, right? So you have your CPI index has gone up, you know, <laughs> probably 50%. And so, you know, you're, it'll take, and in a sense, so that, so that that's why, so, so actually a hundred dollars, it sounds like a really big number, but the prices of everything else have actually also gone up quite a bit. And so you're, you're actually, so tech, you know, in a, in a weird way, you could say actually oils, it sounds like a big number, but it's actually relatively inexpensive relative to the prices of everything else. Number one, it's also, I would argue relative to to GDP, number two. So how would, you know, if you took the every barrel that you, that the human beings consume per day, which is about 100, bar 100 million barrels of oil per day, one barrel of oil is 159 liters roughly, and you multiply that by the price, and then you divide that by the GDP, I know we're getting a little annoying here, but what I, my point is, is like it's the stress that you have relative to your total productive capacity of your economy, in this case, the world, is actually relatively low. And so, just by that sort of math, you can actually see the oil price going much, much, much higher and still be well below what it was in at that peak $140 barrel of oil mark. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's good. I think it's an important distinction here. Like all depends on like timelines. Right. Absolutely. Timelines, timeframes, 
Um, clearly the oil can scream higher from here, but I think it's going to act as a natural break of course, on the economy between, you know, between yields, which are clearly going to slow borrowing and, 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 and credit and, uh, energy prices, uh, which are going to hit, you know, the demand side as well. That, uh, again, these, these two markets are going to basically do the central bankers job for them. Well, let's not underestimate the ability of a uh, good old Janet Yellen in the treasury, <laughs> to very quickly, I suspect it's happening this week, to start to uh, accumulate a, a very large short position in crude oil futures to try to bring this down. It's, uh, again, these things happen behind behind the scenes. There's also, sorry, one more thing. It's also that the Saudis that are the largest, the second largest oil producer after the United States. So Saudi, so US produces about 12, Saudi is 11 and Russia is maybe 10. Uh, a million barrels per oil a day and Canada's like fourth. Um, the Saudis have, have cut production, right? So that that's helped. Um, remember, folks, there's loads of oil. There's about 47 years of oil in the ground. Any price fluctuations are a function of supply um, rather than like us not knowing where it is. So oil prices should not be this high. They're this high because of supply constraints, refining um, issues, right? We no longer build refineries in the West, which is stupid and and the saudis have cut production by what is it keith i think it was like one or two million barrels say so they have a lot of of space to, to to open up the taps and keep that price down so we'll see so when, when they cut by one or two it means rushy increasing by by one or two everyone <laughs> everyone cheats on no no one of actually course. does the production number but it's like that moral suasion you know what, what you learn in school they just have to talk about about doing it you yeah. know and then then it all happens um, but okay, so, so we have the other big well, Keith, we, Bank we of the, England. Yeah, oh, got the sorry. Bank of England. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bank of what England happened with, was... with the Brits. Yeah, yeah. Rich, you want Rich. to walk us through that? That's yeah, your home sure. Home I mean, so the Brits. Well, Rich, so, you, you know... have to use a use your British accent when you're doing it. That's fun. <laughs> I, I refuse to do that. Come on, you're a cool I, guy. No, no, I, I bet you'll cool pick guy. up a date. I'm sure you'll no, attract someone no, with this. No, very much not. Um, so the so we always talk about um, sort of what's priced in the market. And what we mean by that is the bets people take and make using um, the futures market for the US or option adjusted spreads or in Canada, it's the banker's acceptance something <laughs> contract, BACs. And in the, in the, the UK, the, the, the banks, that's right. Bankers and the, acceptance contract. Bank, I actually got that one. So in the UK, um, there, there was absolute. Basically, everyone was expecting them to raise by twenty-five um, basis points, and they didn't. Um, and so that really caught the market offside. Um, and some of the thing, and then and basically they argued that they're worried about growth. Um, in the UK, you've had them the. So we talked about the strong labor market in the U.S. In the, U in the U.K., unemployment rate starting to rise. They have different measures of calculating it. One of them is called the ILO, which is the International Labor Organization. That started to go up. Uh, the total number of employment fell by 159,000 workers over the last three months. So that's material. Um, and inflation, um, goods inflation, driven down by energy, has really slowed. Um, in the U.K., their housing market is absolutely cratering. Uh, both in terms of activity as far as mortgage lending and year-on-year -year growth rates are, are negative. I think negative three, negative four percent, depending on which index you use. And so the UK, uh, so the Bank of England, surprised by not raising interest rates. And Steve, one of the negative 
things that happened there was the pound got absolutely killed over two days. I think that the pound is down like 1%, which is, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's actually a big deal for a currency, especially one as important as, as the pound. So the pound was pounded. Yeah. By yeah. The way. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Come on. So bad. You're all over it today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is on good. fire today. So, so you have the Brits. You know, they're all of a sudden they're worried about growth coming up, right? You know, the in the Americans yesterday they said, "Hey, yeah, it's growth is going to be a bit of a challenge," and you know, the 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 Swissy we always call it the Swissy, you know, same thing going on with with them. The Europeans they downgraded all of their growth estimates the week before. Um, and then you have Canada, you know what's happening in, in China, of course. So you have to be prepared and, and structured just in case the soft landing doesn't happen. But you have to. It's 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 just natural. If if you're not positioned for it, you know, you, you're just missing a really good opportunity here. Which goes back to Steve. So I know a few weeks back, you know, we we started talking about. You know, there is an opportunity coming up in, in the bond market, you know, with, with the long bond or the 10 or, or 30 year. And it, we, we think so. Well, we're, we're watching that. We're, we're not in there yet, but it, it is a market. It wants, so right now for the Americans, right around four and a half percent on the 10 year. And, um, you know, it could absolutely go a bit higher. We, we sort of, instead of a, a level, we sort of look at it from a, a time range, you know, price equals time, things like that. But, uh, you know, we talked about earlier this year, you know, we we're accumulating the in the uh, oil market and stuff like that. It, it is our expectation that equities, you know, continue to come off here. But the biggest opportunity coming up, it, it could be in the long end of, of the curve of the, of the bond market. That's where you make your money, Steve. Everyone talks a... about the stock market when you make money. No one ever talks about in the bond market. The bond market's much, much much bigger than the equity market just for people who may or may not know that sorry i think people often forget because we're guilty of it we always talk about the equity market the news media the mainstream media always talks about the equity market but the ball market is much 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 larger sorry so Steve, the um yeah the tlt which is the long bond etf there it's down 47 percent since peaking <laughs> Uh, that's bothered. That's been bothered. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it peaked in uh, July of 2020, which was kind of like the, yeah. the lowest, the lows and of the lows interest rate. And that's the point with you know the long bond. You know, it's it has this leverage effect built into it. Um, well, especially so when, when yields are zero percent, right? So it's non-linear, as you say, Keith. Sorry. Yeah. Like where else do you expect yields to go when they're at zero? There's only one direction. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, but think about all the, uh, the the big pension funds and stuff, and even a lot of the banks with the regulatory capital, they bought a, a load of, let's, let's, let's call them the French banks, right, to be truthful. They, they bought a ton of debt, negative yielding debt. And now all of a sudden, you know, if they put these marks on their books, it's gazillions in, in by the way, gazillions is not a real number, right, Rich? It's just, it's not. It's like the great kazoo. Remember that guy from the Flintstones? Was he I real do. or not? Nobody yeah, knew where he was real. real. I thought I think so too. It's not a good example then. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of big money out there that are, are sitting on some pretty big losses right now because rates, you know, long rates have gone from you know zero or even negative in some places, you know, up to this, you know, three, three and a half, four percent plus world. 
And that's that's where all the uh, you start to see some bodies coming out. Uh, but the real opportunity, if if you're able, you know, if you have some good models and identify when it's there, uh, the, being able to go long, I mean, you're buying long-term bonds, uh, you know, that could be the, the great trade. But just imagine you're at a dinner party, you know, one guy's talking about, you know, the fancy stock, he made all the money in. What did you mention earlier? Was it GameStop? You said the movie was being made about? Yeah, that? I'm going to try to find the name of the movie. Give them a free yeah, plug here. Yeah, I made money on, you know, I made lots of money on GameStop. And then, you know, Steve's in the corner of the room. Yeah, I just made 25x on my oh. long bond allocation. The, the, movie's called, the movie's called Dumb Money. There you go. But there, by the way, just before we sign off, I know you have to. I know you're going to give it. You're going to boot us out of here, Steve. But there, we will talk about this next time. But there's a case that yields go higher. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, they, uh... I am not calling for rates hit the. I think they can go higher. Let's just be clear. Okay, cool. Any, you know. <laughs> Don't um, want to cause confusion. I know Steve looks like he's like he's had enough fun for the day. He's ready to close things. Oh down man, here. all this, yeah, all this chatter for these of of yields going higher for these real estate guys. It's uh, making you sweat. <laughs> yeah, making them sweating over here. It's uh, well to make you. Know, I got to make my football prediction for the week. Oh so yeah, this is, of course. Yeah, Wait, so who are they playing? Well, they're playing Thursday night games. And, and by the way, if if anyone ever bets on football, you always avoid Thursday night games because you know you don't know what's going to happen, and you also kind of want to wait for the fourth week of the season to, to get going. Then you figure things out. But uh, so, guys, we're running. We're two and zero this year. Looney hours doing well. And uh, this you know this this could be a sloppy one tonight. But I have it as the San Francisco 49ers uh, hitting 33 and the New York Giants or the G-Men getting two field goals. So six. Come on. That's a terrible prediction. 33 to six. 33 to six. All right. Go Niners. Go Niners. First, folks. (laughs) Keith, I've had a special request from one of our listeners, too. He insisted on you letting him know and our listeners know when uh, the ice cap fund there gets long TLT. Oh, we're going to get in trouble. You guys going to get me in trouble. <laughs> so uh, that might be an off-the-record conversation, but... Uh, yeah. I think I know which one you might talk about. We will see. We'll see with that one. Yeah, so TLT, uh, not there yet. Oh, I thought you meant the football betting fund. <laughs> Oh, what God. a horrible it's fun been really to invest nice knowing in. everybody. <laughs> and that's a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, there you have it in the, from the soft landing crew. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>